we are uh, in our last section of Revelation in Lesson 7, which is taking us all the way through the Millennial Kingdom and the Eternal State. And we are now in the section where we are dealing with the Eternal State, which is different from the Kingdom. The Kingdom finishes up all of, the, all of God's purposes for the present creation. Um, it vindicates everything that he planned to do with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And we see that he has been um, successful in all of the things that he set out to do with this creation. And so um, he begins with a new creation with redeemed mankind, creation in which righteousness will reign and dwell from beginning to end. Um, and so that's what we're looking at, the creation of the new heavens and the new earth, uh, which is truly and purely the restoration of all things. He is going to make all things new. So last time we met, we dealt with just two verses, because uh, they really are very transitional verses in the whole course of history. Um, these are essentially a renewed Genesis chapter one. Uh, God is creating the earth brand new, uh, fresh like never before. Revelation 21, one through two, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away and there is no longer any sea. So that reminds us that this isn't the same kind of passing away as he did with Noah and the ark, where he washed the earth clean and by means of uh, using creation, destroyed creation and reformed it. No, he's, he's not using the ocean to destroy things. He's not just using fire to destroy everything. He is causing this present creation to fully pass away. And he is starting over again fresh. Um, and verse 2, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And that is our dwelling place. That is our hope. And even Abram, as we saw in Genesis 3, even Abraham had this as his hope, the final restoration of all things, uh, where all things will be summed up in Jesus Christ. And we will have presence and fellowship with him for all of eternity. And so as we move into verse 3 of chapter 21 in Revelation, we see fellowship being restored with God. And this is really the very first thing that was broken um, in the fall, was that Adam and Eve separated themselves spiritually from God. And from that point forward, the goal of redemption history has been to restore that fellowship. Uh, we've done a couple uh, divergent series in the covenants. And we still have not done the new covenant, but the new covenant is where fellowship is restored um, on the basis of regeneration, where we are able to actually have communion and fellowship with God because he instills his nature in us so that we can uh, come into his presence because we as sinful creatures cannot. And so we are launching forward here in the text into that time in which fellowship has been perfectly restored and now it becomes solidified for all of eternity. So this is what we're looking at here. This is God's ultimate purpose, is that we would be in eternal fellowship with him. Revelation chapter 21, verse 3 says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And verse 4 says, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Now, this loud voice coming from the throne, some take this to be God himself. Um, I don't think God has spoken in the book of 
revelation except through Jesus Christ. I don't think God has spoken since uh, chapter 1, verse 8, where he says that, uh, I pulled it up here, where it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. There is this unidentified voice that comes from the proximity of the throne. Um, that's this loud voice from the throne. But he's speaking of God here in the third person. The tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be among them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So I don't think we're looking here at the voice of God speaking yet. But when we move into verse 5, we're going to see for the first time since the beginning of Revelation, God himself will speak. And he'll say, he who sits on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. And he said, right for these uh, words are faithful and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. So he is bookended, uh, the, the book of Revelation, where he speaks at the beginning and he speaks at the end. God ultimately does have the final word. And we see that hold true in this revelation as well. Uh, and asking you here to remember back almost two years, possibly close to three years now, when we started this study, where we looked at chapter one and we saw the transmission of this letter. It comes from God to Jesus Christ, the son, to an angel, um, to John, and uh, to the seven churches. And then from that, it's recorded, preserved, and it comes to us. Um, and so we see that it originates from God, and um, God has the first and the last word. What he says here is, behold, this is uh, in the Greek, edu, it grabs our attention, and it's a transition that we need to pay attention to. Something major is happening here, some purpose of God is being fulfilled in this case. And that purpose is that the tabernacle of God is among men, he will dwell among them, he himself will be among them. Uh, so this tabernacle of God, we've seen it before in the book of Revelation, uh, in chapter 13, verse 6, it says, He, the false Messiah, opened his mouth in blasphemies against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, which is the Greek word skein, or, or skene, rather. Uh, that is, those who dwell in heaven, skenao, the verb for the same thing. But the location here is in heaven. Uh, this is the tabernacle of God and those who are living uh, in fellowship with him in the location where he is present, and that is in heaven. Revelation 15, 5 through 6, um, after these things I looked, and the temple of the tabernacle of testimony in heaven was open. So that's all one uh, nominal idea. The temple, which is the tabernacle, which is of testimony, and its location in heaven was opened, and the seven angels who had the seven plagues came out of the temple, clothed in linen, clean and bright, and girded around their chests with golden sashes. This is the location from which the judgments of God were finally cast on the earth that brought about the conclusion of God's wrath. Um, this uh, chapter 15, 14, 15, 16, all lead into the final uh, bold judgments that uh, finally grab the uh, rule of this earth away from Satan and restore it to Jesus Christ so he can rule over the earth uh, as God's uh, mediatorial or theocratic king. But again, this tabernacle, this dwelling place of God, 
is in heaven. In Revelation 21, verses 1 through 2, we now have a new heaven and a new earth, and we have this holy city, this dwelling place of God, as it's described elsewhere in chapter 3 of Revelation and uh, Galatians 3. Uh, in Hebrews, this holy city, the new Jerusalem that comes down out of heaven from the origin point of God, uh, it has been made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. We now have this this dwelling place of God making a transition from his abode to make his abode with man on the earth, on the new earth. Now, this goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, as I said, uh, but God began to restore his dwelling place with mankind uh, in the, or in Israel. This was his purpose for Israel, that he would create a people, a nation in which he could localize his presence among men. So Leviticus 26, which is uh, in uh, giving the law to uh, Israel, the very end of it, God gives them a promise of blessing and a promise of cursing, blessing for uh, abiding in his statutes and a cursing for failing to abide in his statutes. Now, Romans uh, 6, 7, 8 all tells us how the law itself is incapable of giving anyone the power to keep God's standard. It only displays God's standard. And so we gave them the standard here, and they're going to have to learn through, um, through, well, trial and error, but ultimately through divine revelation, that they are not able to keep his statutes apart from him. And that uh, leads then to the new covenant where the, God is going to regenerate them and have them indwelled by the Holy Spirit so that they're able to keep these statutes so that they're able to be a new creation in him, and that they're able to dwell in his presence. But here in Leviticus 26, as part of the promise of blessing, he says, moreover, I will make my dwelling among you, and my soul will not reject you. I will also walk among you and be your God, and you shall be my people. Now, this is the Hebrew word mishkain, and it's very similar to the Greek word. That's because the Greek word comes from the Hebrew word, and we get the word Shekinah from these words. Uh, Mishkain, the Shekain, um, is where we get Shekinah, and the Skenae, or uh, Skenao, and the Skene uh, in the Greek is, again, where we get Shekinah. And this we've seen, uh, or we are well familiar with, the Shekinah glory of God. It is the presence of God and his glory that's made visible. So ultimately, we are looking for the Shekinah with God, the dwelling together with him. This is represented in the English words of dwelling, uh, tabernacle, tent, uh, sometimes temple. Uh, this is where God localizes his presence and becomes visible so that we can have fellowship with him. Uh, this is what was lost in Eden. The very first consequence of the fall that we see is a uh, breaking point in our fellowship with God. And notice that the first to walk away, not just in sin, but to hide ourselves, was mankind. In Genesis 3.8, we read, uh, they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden, a localized presence in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called out to the man and said to him, where are you? So man had first separated himself spiritually from God, and then he hides himself here physically from God. 
And the rest of redemption history is essentially God reaching out to man who has hidden himself in sin. Uh, God is going to restore that problem, and he's going to use the the free agent of mankind to uh, have them willingly choose him. And uh, once we've willingly chosen him through faith in his uh, promised means of restoration or uh, regeneration, which is Jesus the Messiah, uh, specifically in his death that pays for our sins, that uh, that act of volition towards God brings us back into fellowship with him. And that spiritual fellowship with him in the conclusion of redemption history and uh, ultimately his, uh, his kingdom plan is going to be localized fellowship with him as well as spiritual fellowship with him. In Numbers, uh, we see this Shekinah glory um, as he began to train mankind of what fellowship with him would be. In Numbers 9.15, in the Exodus generation of Israel, we see now on the day that the tabernacle was erected, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of testimony, and in the evening it was like the appearance of fire over the tabernacle until morning. So this was the cloud of fire by night, cloud of uh, smoke by day that led Israel uh, in the wilderness and was going to lead them into the promised land, but they refused uh, to follow it into the promised land because they didn't trust God. They had not learned to trust him and to walk with him yet. But this tabernacle uh, that was erected to be a point of meeting with God, this was the Shekinah, and his glory cloud filled it. When the tabernacle was turned into a, uh, into a temple, the glory of the Lord went from the tabernacle into the temple. Uh, in 1 Kings 8, 10 through 11, we read that it happened that when the priests came from the holy place, the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not stand to minister because, the cloud, because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. But Israel, through its disobedience, also lost this presence of God. They had failed to follow his Mosaic covenant because they were sinful mankind. They were supposed to learn that they cannot follow his, um, his standards, but that they need someone else um, to write that standard on their heart and to give them the power to keep it. And that will ultimately be fulfilled in the new covenant. Uh, but here in Ezekiel 11, we see the consequences of covenant disobedience with Israel, where they... Um, where they lose the localized presence of God. And in Ezekiel 30 or 11, 22, we read, then the cherubim lifted up their wings with the wheels um, beside them and the glory of the Lord of Israel hovered over them. Then the glory of the Lord went up from the midst of the city and stood over the mountain, which is east of the city. And then the vision ends. Uh, but this is followed the first half of chapter 11. Uh, is the actually the, this vision begins here in Ezekiel 10, where we see the uh, the Shekinah glory lifting up from the temple and hovering over the cherubim, which are most likely the four uh, living creatures before the throne of God, the way Ezekiel describes them. It follows them so that wherever they go, it goes as well. And ultimately, they leave the city, but wedged in between these two depictions of the glory cloud leaving the temple is the 
explanation to Israel that they had broken his covenant, but that he is going to make a new covenant with them. And that is the new covenant, which will guarantee them um, regeneration through giving them a new heart. Uh, their heart of stone will be done away with. They'll have a heart of um, a heart of flesh. And that is um, the new creation of God in them. That ultimately is fulfilled in the kingdom, but it begins to be fulfilled in the church uh, because we have spillover blessing from Israel. But even today, we do not experience the full blessing of the new covenant. It is Israel's covenant, and it will be fulfilled perfectly and finally in the kingdom. Um, so in a few weeks, we will look at the new covenant. But for now, uh, let it be realized that they lost the localized presence of God in the holy of holies, dwelling in the midst of their kingdom, uh, because ultimately they didn't have a king there capable of retaining or maintaining that fellowship with God. But we will have that king in the millennial kingdom, and we will all be regenerated um, in entering that kingdom. And even those who are regenerated during the kingdom will, by the time the eternal state comes around, be in that uh, regenerated state. And so we will finally have that perfect fellowship that God intended to have with mankind. Well, in Ezekiel 37, so moving a few chapters ahead in Ezekiel, um, and this is the famous uh, dry bones chapter of Ezekiel, uh, we read, my servant David will be king over them. Uh, this is the um, looking forward to the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant or the seed promise given to Abram. That a uh, that a that he would have a continual descendant, and that that would fulfill the promise to uh, Eve of a coming seed that would squash the head of the serpent, the promise to uh, Judah that the scepter would never leave Judah. This is that promised Messiah, and then they will have uh, they will all have one shepherd. They will walk in my ordinances and keep my statutes and observe them. That fulfills the new covenant or the promise of blessing to Abram. And they will live on the land that I gave to Jacob, the fulfillment of the land promise to Jake or to uh, Abram. My servant in which your fathers lived, and they will live on it, they and their sons and their sons' sons forever. And David, my servant, will be their prince forever. Now, this looks forward into the millennial kingdom, um, the not the eternal state. But we see these covenants being fulfilled in that kingdom so that when we get now to the eternal state, these covenants have been fulfilled and regeneration uh, has been uh, formalized, finalized. In Ezekiel 37, verse 26, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It will be an everlasting covenant with them, and I will place them and multiply them and will set my sanctuary in their midst forever. My dwelling place also will be with them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people, and the nations will know that I am the Lord who sanctifies Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forever. And so, of course, this is why the beginning of the Gospels is so important, because we see that Jesus is ultimately the point of fulfillment for all of these. And um, when we started this whole study in Revelation as well, uh, you'll remember that we said, Revelation is actually the fifth gospel, because we don't get the finished work of Christ on earth completed until Revelation. We end halfway through the story at the end of all four of the gospels, and it's not completed until Revelation. We don't get a full Christology 
until we have concluded with the revelation. Because here in Matthew 1, 23, we, be, we see the beginning of God's promise being fulfilled in Christ. It says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which, is, which translated means God with us. And now this has implications uh, for the, uh, the hypostatic union as well, where he actually takes on human flesh so that he can dwell among us. And he will regenerate us with his spirit so that we can be among him. Uh, this is where ultimately John leads in Matthew uh, 17, where it's I and he and he and me and uh, we and them, um, the union of the believer with Christ. Ezekiel 43 looks forward into the millennial kingdom. Of course, it's leaping here over the cross, over the church age, into the final uh, fulfillment of all of Israel's covenants, where we see the rest restored temple um, and the glory of God, the presence of God returning to Israel to dwell among them in the temple. Ezekiel 43.3, it was like the appearance of the visions which I saw, like the vision which I saw when he came to destroy the city. That was back in Ezekiel 11. And the visions were like the vision that I saw by the river Kabar, and I fell on my face. And the glory of the Lord came into the house by the way of the gate facing toward the east. And the spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court. And behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house. Now we see God is ultimately working here to restore fellowship between himself and mankind. Not just spiritual fellowship, but uh, fellowship in presence as well. He is actually going to dwell among us, something that has not been true since, well, since the Gospels, where Jesus Christ is the visible image of God actually dwelled among us. But even before that, since the time of uh, the, uh, the Shekinah glory being in the temple, and before that, since the Garden of Eden, where uh, the presence of God was originally lost to mankind. Now, returning here to Revelation chapter 21, verse 3, we see God say that the tabernacle, or we see this loud voice from the throne saying that the tabernacle of God, the presence of God, is among men, human beings, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people. These are people groups, and God himself will be among them. Now, we've got these two different uses of the word for or words for people, one being mankind and one being people groups. Uh, this anthropos, uh, you, you might know this Greek word from the uh, college class anthropology, or I guess from the store anthropology. Um, anthropology is the study of mankind. This is just the generic word in Greek for a human being or an individual person. So we see that the tabernacle of God is among man or men, in the plural, um, so among human beings, plural, individual persons, so that is identifying you, me, and any other person. But also we have this word for people or people groups, laos, and that here is in the plural. So when we look at it um, in the Greek, which I know probably no one watching this knows Greek, so up here, this anthropos, the OS ending, is a singular ending, and the uh, omega nu 
uh, ending is a plural genitive. So this is just anthropos people in the plural, um, and it's used kind of like an adjective here. But here, la oi is different from la os because again, the sigma ending is a singular and the yoda ending is a plural. Now there's what's called a textual variant here. This number one and the number two here, both of these indicate that not all of the textual witnesses are not all of the original documents where we have these Greek, um, this, the scriptures recorded in Greek, not all of them agree. Textual variant, we can look at all of the, um, all of the records that we have of one reading versus a different reading. Uh, looking at this one, there's two different readings, and this kind of makes sense. We have la oi, where it's plural, and we have la os, where it's singular. Now, one of the um, things that we do when we're looking at textual variants, we try to find the variant that explains the rise of the other variants. That means one variant is going to be either a mistake where a, uh, where a scribe saw the wrong thing and wrote the wrong thing, or where they are expecting or anticipating something, and so they write what is expected, uh, but the reading that's usually right is the one that has a harder meaning, because usually they correct to make the text easier rather than correcting to make it harder. And so here, we don't expect to read people groups, because all through the Old Testament, just as we saw when we were reading in Ezekiel, we expect Israel to be the people group among which God is present, and then the rest of the nations recognize Israel's superiority. Now, Israel is always going to remain the crown jewel in God's people groups. But here in Revelation, we get, for the first time, explicitly detailed here, though we see it theologically elsewhere, that all of these peoples are going to become gods, all of these people groups. So it's not, as we might expect, the laos, the people group of God, that Israel should be his people, but that all of these people groups in which God has uh, given redemption, uh, all of these uh, ways that we might distinguish ourselves in groups, these all become the peoples of God when we are identified with Christ through his salvation by faith alone in his finished work. So we are the people groups of God and we will dwell among him. One thing also that this indicate, indicates is that there is still going to be distinctions in people groups. The nations aren't going to disappear even in the eternal state. The nations were a creation of God and it is uh, something that he is glorified in. And so Israel will remain a distinct people group, uh, but not to the exception of other people groups. Americans will still be a people group in the eternal state, and we will retain those uh, those distinctions for God's glory, but he has worked in them to redeem all of them. That's why we see multiple times through the book of Revelation that it's all the tongues, peoples, nations, all that that God has redeemed. So in John uh, 1, uh, starting in verse 9, we read that there was a true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. John is here telling us about Jesus Christ using this uh, image of light, which probably does have to do with the Shekinah glory. Jesus is the manifestation of the Shekinah glory. We often think the Holy Spirit is, um, but if you trace it through scripture, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, is the one which has come down as, an, as the 
angel of the Lord. He is the one who was present in the temple. He was the one who sat on the seat of atonement in the temple. He's the one who left the temple uh, with Ezekiel and the one who comes back in his glory in the kingdom. In the uh, transfiguration that we see in Matthew chapter 17, we see the Shekinah glory, which is Jesus Christ, uh, which is unveiled for a time uh, for uh, Peter, John, and James to see. Jesus is the Shekinah glory. He is the light which comes into the world and which enlightens every man. He reveals God, as John will say later in this chapter, but I don't have here. Um, he was in the world, and the world was made through him. Jesus was the agent of creation, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, the people of Israel, and those who were his own did not receive him. Israel did reject him. But as many as received him, including those in Israel, as many individuals as put their faith in him as the Messiah, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Even to those who believe in his name, there's the means by which they become children, who are born, the result, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. John 1.14, the word became flesh. This is how he dwelt among us. He became God among men by first stepping down to us. And then through his death, he allowed us to step up with him. Now, our natures can never fully cross because he is God and we are not, but we can have fellowship with God because he has imparted to us something of his nature. And so the word became flesh, Jesus Christ, the Shekinah glory, the word of God, the agent of creation, he took on human flesh and he lived among us. And we saw his glory. John was one of the uh, three disciples who went up onto the mountain with Jesus and saw the glory of this coming uh, kingdom in the coming king, Jesus Christ, that glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. This was a revelation of God's dwelling among men in the final restoration of all things. This was even promised back in Genesis 12, uh, verses 2 through 3, where God begins his covenant program with Israel. And he says, I will make you a great nation, I will bless you, and I will make your name great speaking to Abram, and so you shall be a blessing. This is the command. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. This is how the nations were originally divided. They were family groups that went into isolation through isolating the language groups. They became unique people groups. God has a plan to bless all the families of the earth through Israel, and we see that um, in the kingdom, but we see that as well in the eternal state, that all of these families of the earth that are regenerated through Christ are blessed in the seed of Israel, Jesus the Messiah, um, and retain their distinction in the eternal state. John 10, 16 says, I have other sheep, Jesus speaking to the children of Israel, other sheep which are not of this fold, other sheep that are not Israel, I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one has taken it from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again, this commandment I receive from the Father. And because of his faithfulness in this issue, because he was faithful even to the point of death, he kept the law where Israel could not, and therefore 
those who are in Christ and only those who are in Christ are capable of keeping the standard of God because the standard of God is Jesus Christ and no man can live up to that save alone for Jesus Christ. In Revelation 3.12, this is back into the book of Revelation now, we see Jesus speaking to one of the seven churches here. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. He will not go out from it anymore. We will become permanent fixtures in the localized presence of God, and I will write on him the name of my God, indicating ownership here the name of my city the city of my god indicating where we where we belong to the new jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from my god this is looking forward into the eternal state and my new name our name or his name will be written on us because we belong to him and we are identified with him revelation 7:15 this is looking at those who have been martyred during the tribulation period so he's hitting the two different people groups that are Uh, that will be present after uh, the book of Revelation was revealed. First, the the church and those who exist after the church, but before the end, the uh, tribulation saints. Revelation 7.15, for this reason they are before the throne of God, those who had been martyred, and they serve him day and night in his temple, and he who sits on the throne will spread his tabernacle over them. They will hunger no more, nor thirst anymore, nor will the sun beat down on them, nor any heat, for the lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and will guide them to springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear excuse me, from their eyes. And so that leads us to the next result, which is the removal of the curse. Mm-hmm.